Northside family, it is good to see you today. My name's Nate. Uh, if this is your first time and uh, we have people in our video venue and watching on our live stream right now, can we just welcome them real quick and just let them know we're so glad that they're here and in and uh, especially with fall break on for a lot of you who are down in Florida right now, we are jealous. I mean, we are praying for you as you tune in right now. Uh, but we know this is fall break and a lot of you will be traveling. And hey, feel free to hop in on the live stream as you're out of town uh, because this is what it means to be the church family that we gather together, we sing and we learn, we open God's word and we allow him to speak into our lives uh, because God is wanting to meet us right where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. He's going, I wanna change you, I wanna grow you into more of my likeness. Matter of fact, that's why we're doing the series called Shoes. And the reason why we're doing Shoes is because Jesus didn't just stay in heaven and say, hey, you all get your act together and then I'm coming in a couple of years. I'm going to judge all y'all, you know, and see how you're doing. Jesus said, I'm leaving heaven and I'm stepping into your shoes and I'm stepping into your life and I'm stepping into your situations. This is why we celebrate him is because he has stepped in to the mess of our lives and he's offered grace and mercy and healing. And not only has he offered grace for us, he came and he showed us what does it look like to live as a human? See, this is sometimes what we forget about Jesus. We think Jesus can be just like Superman and, and we say stuff like that. Well, that's just Jesus and I'm me and that's him. And Jesus goes, no, I am fully God, but I am fully human when I was here. And he shows us what does it look like to be human. And he shows us what it, the work he wants to do in and through our lives. And this is why we're doing this series, Shoes, because we're looking at all the different shoes Jesus stepped into because he stepped into a number of different shoes. He stepped into people's lives that maybe you and I, we don't want to step into, but Jesus says, I'm willing to step into. Matter of fact, we're going to look at a guy in Luke chapter 8 who he stepped into his shoes and the man didn't even have shoes on. He was barefoot. And he was kind of crazy. Actually, he was demon-possessed. And Jesus says, hey, I know you're crazy. I know the world has kind of outcast you, but I see you, and I'm willing to step into your shoes. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I walked into my kiddo's room, and they had a rug on and uh, in the middle of the room. And I stepped on the rug, and I was barefoot. And for some reason, for one another, there was a toothpick in the rug. Had no idea. Stepped right on this toothpick, went into my heel. Not kidding you, man. Just went into my heel. And so I wouldn't yell at the kids, on, you know, and say something I shouldn't. I just went, somebody's grounded, you know. I just had this moment where I was like, my goodness. And it reminded me, you know, obviously all we think about with our feet is, man, when you think about shoes, you think about feet, but it just feet stink. But I began to think about this. I'm like, actually, your feet are some of the most sensitive things on your entire body. Matter of fact, I was shocked when I began to, to read about this and study about this in preparation for this series. I didn't know this, but your heel actually has the thickest amount of skin on your entire body. Because you walk on that the most. That's why God created it that way. And then yet right next to the like, toughest part of your body, your heel, underneath your arch, they say, is probably one of the most sensitive parts of your body that up to 200,000 nerve endings are on the bottom of your feet. And here's this dichotomy that God creates us with in our shoes and in our feet is this. You have this tough and you have this tender part on your feet. And I think that summarizes us perfectly, doesn't it? Man, there's some tough things in our heart. There's some things in our life that we know we need to change, that we know that's there. We also have some tender things in our life that we're going, man, God, we need you to make us strong because I'm weak here. And we have this tough and we have this tender. I didn't realize this really until this series. I've never studied this, but uh, if anybody's ever heard of reflexology, it's this study about how you help your body heal itself 
through your feet. I know this is crazy, but here's a picture of reflexology. I didn't realize this, but reflexology uses healing through your feet because all of your body can be connected through your feet. You know, I'm just thinking, get me some Dr. Scholes and I'll be fine. You know, it's not that simple. And let me just be honest for a second. We see all these things that it's connected to through our feet. And I think this is a great example that when Jesus stepped into our shoes, he stepped into all of these issues of our life, isn't it? For a lot of us in this room, it's not just about our body, but for a lot of us in this room, the issues that you face and the shoes that you walk in have to do a lot of the times with your childhood. For some of us, we'd say stuff like this, man, my life would be so much easier if Jesus, you gave me different parents, right? And God, my life is messed up because it's your fault, right? You know, because of the parents you gave me. Now, kids, don't be looking at your parents right now down the road like, are you hearing them? No, no. But we say stuff like that, right? God, my life would be different if I didn't have this family. Or God, if I just got that promotion, if I didn't get passed over and I was making this much money, things would be different. And here's the problem in our life. We have all of these issues and sometimes we forget that we have and carry all these issues in our life. So when we learn about Jesus stepping into our shoes, what we need to understand is this. He understands the complexity of your life. Even the areas that you haven't unpacked in your life and maybe made known to him. This is why this series and today, especially in Luke chapter 8, is so important because we're going to see Jesus step into the shoes of a man that no one wants to talk with. Matter of fact, they've put this guy, they've chained this man up and they said, we don't even want you to be a part of our community. You are an absolute outcast. You were not even going to let you be a part of us. They tried to chain this man up. They tried to keep him away from everybody. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 26. You see Jesus stepping into this man's shoes. It says in verse 26, it said, They sailed to the region of Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. Now, Galilee was where all the Jews were at. And so what Jesus did was this. He went across the lake and he went to where none of the Jews were. So oftentimes where this place was at, nobody told him about who God was and what God's love is. And Jesus walks in, he goes across the lake to a place that nobody knows about God. And it said, when he stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. And for a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. You seen this picture? And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell at Jesus' feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. And many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. And a large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside. And the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. And he gave them permission. And when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and was drowned. Now, some of y'all are like, this is crazy. Well, you know, what is going on? We're talking about pigs flying. Well, not really flying, but going over the cliff. In Mark chapter 5, it says it was like 2,000 pigs that went over the cliff and drowned. 
We're talking about demon possession. We're going, what is going on? And Nate, what does this have to do with us? I mean, demon possession and this man, he didn't even have any clothes on. Thank the Lord. Everybody's dressed in here today. You know, you're just kind of going, what, what, does this have, what does this story have to do with me? You might want to write this down. This is why we need to understand why Jesus stepped into this man's shoes when no one else would. Is because what you and I don't have power over in our life, Jesus does. Let me say that again. What you and I don't have power over in our lives, Jesus does. See, this is why this story is so important because this man didn't have power over his life. This demon had come over and taken power over him. And what we need to understand is this, what you and I don't have power over, Jesus does. I don't know what it is that sometimes will have power over your life, but you need to know that Jesus has the power over it. A lot of times, you know, maybe yesterday or today, you'll say stuff like this, tomorrow I start my diet. How many Sunday nights have you said that in a row, right? You know, now tomorrow we really get after it. Or are we saying, you know, if you're a parent, you go, all right, that's the last time I'm going to lose it on my kids, right? That's it, right? And then they do one more thing. Ruthie te- sent me a text this morning with a, a picture of the, of the towel handle in our bathroom, and there was no more bar. It's just a big knob on the wall. And she's like, look what Carter did, you know? And we're like, just one of those moments, man, where we're trying, and we're like, man, we just don't have power over this stuff. And see, this is what we got to understand what's going on in this moment is this man doesn't have power over this demon in his life. And Jesus shows up and he casts out the demon. And did you hear that word? The demon even responded, Jesus, I beg you, don't torture me. See, Jesus has power over things in our life that we have no power over. This is the good news of Jesus of why Jesus went to the cross. Because the sin that has power over you and I, that's what he went to take care of at the cross so that sin won't have power over you. And not only did Jesus go to the cross to die for our sins, he rose again on the third day. And here's why. So that death won't have power over you and I. Too often times we live afraid that our day is going to end and I want to enjoy all the days of my life. But I know there is a day when I will not be alive anymore. But I know this, I can live in fear of death or I can live in fear of my Savior who gives me power over death. This is the power of the resurrection. This is why having Jesus step into our shoes changes everything. Because what you and I don't have power over in our life, Jesus does. Jesus steps into the things that control us. He steps into the things that torment us, and he gives us power that we don't have. And here's the deal. If we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, we need to talk about the demons in this world and Satan as well. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've been around churches that they say stuff like this. If you don't talk about him, he's not actually there. And it's like that's exactly where Satan wants you to be, right? Just act like he's not there. Matter of fact, Jesus talks about him in John chapter 10, 10. Listen to what he says about who Satan is. He talks about him because we need to know who he is and what he's doing. He says, the thief. I love how he just talks about Satan. Doesn't even call him by his name. He goes, the thief. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what Satan has come to do. He wants to kill, he wants to steal, he wants to destroy. He wants to destroy your marriage because he knows this, if he can divide the husband and wife, it will impact the kids, it will impact the next generation. He wants to divide parents, he wants to divide family, he wants you to hate your boss, he wants you to hate your neighbors, he wants you to hate yourself, he wants to steal your joy. It's everything that Satan wants to do. 
This is why Jesus says, heads up, this is what he's come to do. He's come to kill, he's come to steal, he's come to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. For some of you, the reason why you haven't become a Christian yet is you believe this. Once you turn your life over to Jesus, the fun's going to end. And Satan is stealing your joy right now. Because all he's making you think about is this. If you hand that over to Jesus, Jesus is probably not going to come through for you. And we say stuff like this. Well, I'm not demon-possessed, but you're possessed by something other than Jesus. See, this is why we got to pay attention to what Jesus is doing in this passage and the lives he's stepping into. Matter of fact, Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, 8. He writes this to the church. He writes this to you and I. He says, be self-controlled and alert because your enemy, your enemy The devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You have an enemy. I don't know if you know this, but you have an enemy who wants to destroy you. He's seeking out to devour you. We say stuff like this when we mess up in our life. People ask these questions. What were you, what? Anybody remember? What were you thinking? And what do we say? I don't know. I don't know. I mean. I didn't make that mistake last time I drank, drank 12 beers. I don't know, you know. And to say, we, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. And Peter goes, hey, 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 be self-controlled and alert. Be alert, man. Satan is not. He's not just kind of waiting for a demon to possess you, man. He is seeking out ways to destroy you. And here's why we got to understand that Jesus has power over what we don't have power because, over. Because here's what will happen. We'll begin to fight a battle that you and I can't win in this life. We'll begin to fight in our power, in our willpower, in our ability. And I just got to let you know, it's not enough. It's not enough. And see, Jesus never asked us to fight this battle in our power. He's going, let me be your power. Matter of fact, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6. He describes the battle that you and I are in. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord, which means this. Don't try to be strong in yourself. Don't just try to power up. Don't try to bow up. Don't try to warrior up. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, in his grace, in his mercy, in his Holy Spirit. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Did you know this? The devil already has a scouting report on you. Because we all have different weaknesses in this room, don't we? We all have different stories in this room. Satan knows your story, he knows your weaknesses, and he knows what he wants to tempt you with. This is exactly why he tempted Jesus with what he tempted him with in the desert in Matthew chapter 3. Because this is what he knew about Jesus. I'm going to give you the world without going to the cross. Just worship me. And how many times you and I, we know Jesus has called us to something, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a call of sacrifice and obedience, and sometimes that is painful, and we'd rather take the shortcut. That's what Satan's given Jesus in that moment. He scouted Jesus. Oh, you, and he said, did, do you remember what he says to him? If you are the Son of God, if you are, that's what he does. Satan comes in and he begins to scout you and he begins to say things about, if you really are successful, prove it. And what he's trying to get you to do is this, just live in your power, not the power of Jesus. Live out of your ability, not the ability of God. This is why Paul says, you better put on that full armor because you're getting hit over the head right now. Man, you are getting destroyed right now. 
You better put on this armor. You better live out of that because this is what he goes on to say in verse 12. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That's what we think a lot of times, right? It's the government's fault. Have we realized we've been saying it's the government's fault for, for the whole time we've ever had a government, right? You know, it's like, it's like well, if they would have just added this, right, in the declaration, if they would have done this, it's, the, it's always the government's fault. It's always the school teacher's fault. It's always the pastor's fault, right? It's always my parents' fault. If God, if you wouldn't have given me these kids, right, you know, everybody, it's everybody else's fault. For our struggle, Paul says, is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, when you think your battle is with another person, Satan is winning the battle. He's winning the battle. He wants you to hate whoever votes differently than you. He wants you to hate whoever acts differently than you because he knows what the real struggle is and he wants you to stay hating each other. This is why we've got to be alert. This is why Jesus steps into this man's shoes because he knows he needs to be set free. And did you notice the question that Jesus asked this man? I find this kind of ironic. Here's this demon-possessed man and what does Jesus ask him? What's your name? What, 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 what's your name? You know why he asked him that question, what's your name? Because he knows this, if he's going to be set free, we have to name what has power over us. If you want to be set free, if you want Jesus' grace to set you free, if you want the power of Jesus to come into your life, you have got to name what has power over you. There's power in the name, isn't it? I remember growing up, Nathan, and I knew there was a different type of power when I heard this, Nathan Wayne. Right? Different power, different name. Here's the deal. If we want to be set free, we've got to begin to name what has power over us. This is why Jesus asked, what's your name? And what he's getting at is this. He is diving into the issues of this man's life. Let me ask you the question. Today, what has power over your life instead of Jesus? Is it your health? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it unforgiveness? Is it envy? Is it a fear of failure? A lot of times that's what possesses me. Nate, you can't mess this up. So guess what will happen? If I get afraid of messing up, guess what I'll do? I won't do anything. Guess what? You can't mess it up if you don't do anything. And at the same time, guess what I'm not being? Not being faithful to Jesus. I'm being possessed by my fear of failure. We got a name. What's possessing? What's your name? That's what Jesus says. He's going, he's going, here, I'm stepping into your life. What's possessing you? What is, what, what is consuming you? Because then, did you catch this in verse 29? Listen to what it said. It said that this man had been driven by the demon into solitary places. This is where Satan feasts on us. He goes, man, I want you to be possessed by your fear, Nate. And then here's what I want you to do. Don't tell anybody about it. 
This is why life groups are so important here. Not because God's going to love you more because you join a life group, but because Satan will destroy you in isolation. That's what's happening to this man. Satan will always take you and I to isolation. Just cover up that sin. Don't tell anybody about your fear. Just live by yourself. Live in your power. Do your own thing. Don't have anybody speak into your life. You ever realized you and I, we win every imaginary conversation that we have with ourselves? I'm 28 and no, man. All right, they're wrong, I'm right. This, you know, I'll give them 15 things why they're wrong and all this other stuff. This is what's so fascinating about me and my wife. We're having to learn. We're both wired differently. She's more a little introverted. I'm more extroverted. We have a different wiring. And here's the thing. If I'm not careful, I'll start believing a story that I think she's living that she's not. And until I say it, and then she goes, where did you get that idea from? Well, I just thought, well, that's the problem, right? You know, I'm like, I just thought. And here's the problem. I was thinking in isolation. See, this is why, this is why this story is so important. Because Jesus sees the things that possess us and he wants us to name it so we can come out of our isolation so that we can begin to be set free. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times we just focus on this demon-possessed man and we go, whoa, whoa, whoa this, crazy, this is a crazy story. And we just kind of skip this story and read on. But listen what happens next. Verse 34 it says, when those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. What an awesome picture. This guy had been possessed for years. They come out. This guy is sitting in his right mind. He's dressed. I don't know if Jesus gave him like his sash. And he's like, come on, dog. You got to cover that up. You know, like, ain't nobody want to see that, bro. You know, I don't know what happened. But here's this man in his right mind healed, covered up, the scripture says. And then listen what the people had, what, what they do. And they were afraid. What do you mean you were afraid? This guy's healed. This is awesome. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region, of the Gerasenes, asked Jesus, check this out, to leave them. Because they were overcome with fear. They were possessed with fear. Isn't it amazing? Jesus cast out this demon and these people cast out Jesus. See, this is what happens when we get possessed by things other than Jesus. We tell Jesus to leave us alone. And listen to what it said. When they were overcome with fear, so Jesus got into the boat and he left. See, oftentimes all we do is we focus on this demon-possessed man and we forget how the crowd reacted to Jesus. Here's what we need to realize. We see this demon-possessed man, but what we forget is this. We can be possessed by our possessions and not even know it. That's what happened to the crowd. They come back and they see this healed man, this incredible sight, this guy who was demon-possessed, and they look and they saw their 2,000 pigs drowned in the water. Now, here's why they were afraid, because those pigs were their economy. 
This was how they made money. And actually, a lot of some theologians believe this, is, this was their one way to rip off the Romans because the Romans had come in and taken all their stuff. Well, they were pig farmers, and they were going to sell the pigs back to the Romans to eat. And they were like, this is how we're going to stick it to the man. You know, this is how we're going to make some money off of the Romans. And here they see this healed man, and they see their drowned pigs, and they see it. And here's what was happening. They were more sad about losing their pigs than they were incredibly impressed with a healed man. And they didn't even know that they were possessed by their possessions. See, sometimes you don't need to come running around here with the, I'm demon possessed. You don't even need to do that. You know how a lot of times Satan works? He keeps you possessed and you don't even know it. He keeps you locked up with fear. That's what the scripture says. They were overcome with fear. Fear had possessed them. Possessed him so much that they just told Jesus, hey, can you just leave? Read this quote that I came across. I thought this was fantastic because fear dominates this passage. And listen what this quote says from Gene Veneer of the book Becoming Human. This quote says this, I have become more aware of how fear is at the heart of prejudice and exclusion. We are all frightened of those who are different those who challenge our authority, our certitudes, and our value system. It is fear that prevents us from being most human. That is, it prevents us from growing and changing. Fear wants nothing to do with change. Fear demands the status quo, and the status quo leads to death. Now, here's the deal. When Jesus came out, what they wanted was this. The people went, no, Jesus, we want the status quo. We don't want anything to change. The only problem is this. When we meet Jesus and we don't allow him to change our life, we fall back into status quo, and status quo is death. And a lot of times what we don't even realize is this. There is things inside our heart that is possessing us. There is this fear. There is this anxiety. There are all sorts of things that come alongside, and they lock us up from living the life that Jesus has. Matter of fact, I'll never forget when I moved here in 1999, uh, my best friend Jared Baker uh, out in Las Vegas, uh, we played baseball, grew up together from sixth grade till my junior year. And uh, he really took me in, treated me as family, stayed a bunch, probably stayed at his house more than my own house, right? And one of those types of things, just good, good buddy. And I remember on our last Friday night that we hung out before I moved here, my junior year of high school, towards the end of my junior year, uh, I, I found out that the school that I was going to, the JV team uh, didn't have cuts on their baseball team, so I thought I was going to try out. And again, I'm afraid of failure, right? I mean, hey, you can't, I'm going to try out if I can't get cut. All right, you know. And, uh, and I remember I was all excited about playing baseball. I never played high school baseball before. And uh, last Friday night, uh, getting to hang out with my best friend, he said, dude, it's our last Friday night to hang out. What do you want to do? I said, I'm pretty nervous about playing baseball as I'm going to move back. And uh, we grew up playing baseball. I guess I said, can, can you just throw me batting practice? Can we go through the ballpark uh, down the road and you just throw me batting practice and you know, we just kind of hang out and I'll just hit baseballs and I'll, I'll get ready for the season. What a selfish thought, right? You know, and uh, he said, yeah, let's, let's swing by my house and I got a bucket of baseballs and then we'll go, we'll go down to the uh, ball diamond and we'll play. And I'm like, sweet. So we drive by his house, no lights are on. And I guess his parents are gone. We walk up to the door, he goes in, no lights. I follow in. As soon as I walk into the house, the lights flip on and over 50 of my closest friends and mentors just yelled out, surprise. Here I am 20 years later, 
I mean, I remember the faces. I remember the people. I remember the pastors. He had called my church friends. He had called my school friends. He had called mentors. He had called all these people. And here's what happened in that moment. All I could think about was what I was afraid of. And all he could do was think about me. See, here's what fear and here's what things happen in our life. When our heart gets seized by something other than Jesus, we miss the people around us. All I could think about that night was baseball. All Jared could think about was his best friend. And it's amazing what begins to happen in our lives when we let things other than Jesus possess us. See, what we got to remember is this. Jesus conquers our fears with his freedom. It's his freedom that comes in. Satan wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. He wants to divide. But Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Listen how this story ends up with this man in verse 38. It says, then the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Now here's why this man wanted to go with Jesus. You would want to go with Jesus. I would want to go with Jesus too. And you know why? Because he had a little bit of a reputation oh, you were that man who was naked over there, right? And, you know, you kind of cut yourself and all this other stuff. We live in some areas that have some small towns around us. We know those people right now. If I go, hey, who's the town drunk in your town? Hey, who's the town this? Hey, who's the town that? And names and people would start flooding your mind right now. This guy knew he had a reputation. He goes, Jesus, I want to get away from that. I want to go with you. I, I don't want to go back to and have to face that stuff. And here's what we've got to understand. If we're not careful, we can hide even though we're healed. See, Jesus heals us, but if we're not careful, all we'll do is this. We will hide even when he's healed us. And Jesus says, no, I don't want you to hide. I want you to go back into your town, and I want you to tell people what God has done for you. Here's what you need to know today. You have more influence with the people in your work and people in your home, and people in your neighborhood than I ever will. Jesus got kicked out of that town. <laughs> he tells that man, they don't want me there, but guess what? I want you to go back into that town, and I want you to tell them what God has done for you. That's all you do. When you share your faith, when people go, hey, do you go to church? Or, or, or you know, when you begin to tell, yeah. And, and some of us, man, we, we get overwhelmed with this. Here's all we got to do. We just have to tell people what God has done for us. We just got to tell him, man, he has set me free from this. I have so much fear of failure, and he has set me free because of his freedom on the cross. His success on the cross is greater than any of my fear of failure. Jesus has set me free. That's why I follow him. Just to share with people why. Because listen to what it says in Mark chapter 5, verse 20. It said, so the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis, his hometown, how much Jesus had done for him. And listen to what happened. And all the people were amazed. They started afraid of Jesus, but when they heard this man's testimony, they were all amazed by what Jesus had done. 
Never doubt what God wants to do through your life, why he not only wants to heal you, but why he's going, I want you to go back and to share what I have done in your life. Following Jesus means sharing the story of healing with others. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Not just that he heals us, but that he sends us back into the places And we begin to share and we begin to talk. Matter of fact, this is Jesus' last words to his disciples in Matthew 28. He says, now go and make disciples of all nations. This is why we celebrate what God's doing through Terry and Amy. Over 3,000 people baptized because we go, this is what we're supposed to do. God wants to heal us. He has power over what has power over us. And then we go and we share that with the world so that the world can be set free. Even in 12-step recovery programs, the 12th step says this, go and help someone else. Don't just keep this to yourself. Let me close with this story. There's a picture of a place in California. You might know of this place, or maybe you at least heard of this place before. I got a picture of it. It'll come up on the screen. It might look familiar to some of you. This place is called Death Valley. It's Death Valley. Hottest place on earth. Over 134 degrees have been recorded there. You know, the reason why they call it Death Valley is this, uh, everything's dead. I know it's a real creative title. <laughs> Everything, nothing can grow there. Too hot, the rock, the soil, the dust, nothing can grow, nothing can get roots. Everything is dead. In 2004, something happened. Normally in Death Valley, it averages about an inch and a half of rain a year. A year, that's it. In 2004, in one moment, in a short span of time, Death Valley received seven inches of rain. And here's what they found out. Underneath all the dirt, underneath all the rock, underneath everything going on in Death Valley, they didn't know this, but there were millions of seeds underneath all of that. And when that rain hit, what it began to do was wash away everything that encapsulated the seeds. And this is what Death Valley became in 2004. You can check it out. They call it a super bloom. And here's why Death Valley, why this changed. Because what was dead, there was actually seeds there. And it needed something to set them free problem is for a lot of us in this place we're walking around and we're just a bunch of death valleys we're possessed by a bunch of things other than Jesus and Jesus is saying will you let me bring the rain of my grace into your life will you let me step into your shoes and set you free from your regrets from your failures from your fears so I can bring life into what is dead. So I want to invite you to do, would you guys close your eyes with me? I just want to lead you through just a quick prayer moment with the Father. Because it is good to open God's scripture and to see the grace of Jesus willing to step into such a complicated situation. Not just for the man, but for the town that was possessed that they didn't even know it. Now, I just want to ask you a question. I just want you to be honest and talk to the Lord right now about it. My question is this. Would you just simply tell the Lord right now, 
What's possessing you? What's got you locked up? What's got you in Death Valley? Your Savior wants to step into our shoes. I want to invite you right now just to begin a dialogue with the Father and ask Him, not through your power, but by through His power, to begin to set you free. Would you begin to just say that, Jesus, by your power, would you set me free from what possesses me? Talk to your Savior right now because he's here to step in to your shoes.